Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. David, good morning. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning to you guys on a happy Monday, football morning Monday. So yeah. let's get it rolling and, here. And he's looking sharp. He's always dressed to the nines. I love the, the baby blue suit. Now, you say he's bigger than me, and he is. But you have dropped so much since you retired three years ago from the league. What do you, 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 when you played, you were about, what, 310? When I played, I played between 309 and 317. And okay. then after I retired, January 6, 2014, at that point, I was 309 pounds. January 6, 2017, I was 252. Wow. wow. Good Dang. for you. I, see, I was one of the guys that used to have to eat every two hours. And okay. I'm not talking like chicken breast, broccoli, full meals. And, and some of the weeks that it was really light, Wednesday and Thursday, I'd set my alarm on my phone for like 3 o'clock in the morning. I would roll over. I drink a protein shake and then go back to bed oh just to goodness. get the calories in the intake for uh, the next day for practice. Oh, wow. I hate you. We look at food <laughs> yeah, and it just sticks to it. You had to force yourself to eat. I hate you, Dave. So it must it, it wasn't that hard to lose the weight then, probably because no, you, you stopped eating. It wasn't because of the fact that I did it right away. I was disciplined. I was committed to it, and more importantly, the thing that you realize is your shelf life as an athlete, as a football player, we all have an expiration date on you. Mm-hmm. It's all how you live the rest of your life. Yeah. I have a 10-year-old little girl going into fifth grade, Addison. I've got a long life to live. And the immediate, the immediate moment that you retire, it's time to change those habits. Because the longer that you do it, the harder it is. And yeah. then you know, you know, Brian, yeah. we see guys that try to pull it off two, three years later. And it's tough. It's difficult when you get yourself out of the routine. Yeah, that is definitely true. Now, one other thing before we get on the field, because Gio and I have had this conversation about Super Bowl rings. I was going to bring it not. up, too. Yeah. yeah, I have not. And he has always maintained if he'd won one, he would never wear it. But you got on your, your Super Bowl ring over there, one of them. And, and Gio, what do you have to say about that? I guess it's a personal preference. <laughs> I just, I, I always thought that with the championship, the memories that you have with that always meant more, and I feel like a lot of guys who have the rings don't wear them. Not that I'm criti- going to criticize Dave <laughs> no, right no, next to me. Hey, <laughs> you got to turn off this radio pretty soon. Or we're going to be stuck in this room, G.I. So, I mean, no, I don't know. Tell no, me why you wear the ring. I, I completely understand what you're saying, and you're right. I mean, I can close my eyes, and I can put myself right back in that podium, and I can close my eyes and put myself when I was 4-12 and 12 mm-hmm. in the NFL. And those are things that you don't forget. And uh, for me, I, I usually wear it when I'm doing sports shows like this or, or working in the city tonight like I will be for the uh, Browns-Giants game tonight for Monday Night Football. 
Uh, but usually I don't wear it. I mean, I, I stick out enough when I go into a place, and people like, you must do something. I'm like, I do a lot of things. They don't really, but uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's a personal opinion. It's a personal thing. Uh, it's it's a lot easier said than done when you don't have one, let alone two of them. Yeah, uh, thank you. Very uh, true. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. Yeah. Uh, now, this this broadcasting deal, you're damn good at it. When did you have a notion that this is what you wanted to transition into after your career was over on the field? Well, I was smart enough to know and, and love the quote, opportunities are never lost. Someone will take the one that you miss. I was mm-hmm. I, I was had the blessed opportunity to go to the University of Illinois, graduated with my degree in three and a half years, got my master's in my last year and a half. So when I graduated from the University of Illinois, I had my degree, I had my master's, and I was a fifth-round draft pick by the New York Giants. So I knew early on to set myself up for success long after the football field. When I got to the Giants, you know, your business is on the field. You make yourself a professional Mm -hmm. by the way that you play and you handle yourself. The rest will take care of itself. In 07, won the Super Bowl. 08, signed a long-term extension, knowing that I was going to be a giant for the rest of my career. Did the broadcast boot camp for the NFL in 2008. And from 2008 until I retired in 14, I did every single internship that I could do. I did radio shows. I did as much stuff that I could to start building a resume, start building a reel, so that I can transition the minute that either the game walked away from me or, like I was fortunate, like most players, not able to, to walk away the game from the game myself. So that was one of the reasons why I was I was fully content. I have zero regrets from retiring. I accomplished everything that I could ever dream of as an athlete and I set myself up for success seamlessly right when I walked away from the game. Gio and Jones with David Deal, two time Super Bowl champion, now with CBS Sports and Fox Colin Games. I remember that 2007 Giants run vividly because I was working on their radio broadcast at the time, and that, to me, is the greatest postseason run in professional sports history in my lifetime. And I can't even imagine what that was like for you guys. Now, to do, you know, to go into Dallas, to do that, to go into Green Bay, to do that, of course, to take down the Patriots. At what point in that run, and that's, I didn't even mention what wild card weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe, yeah. uh, because the other ones were so much bigger. But at what point as a team did you really think that that was a Super Bowl contender? Because you went into the playoffs and nobody was really talking about no. a championship. At what point did your group and your teammates and you believe that you could have a Lombardi at the end of the year? And to go along with that, 11 straight road wins in 2007 that's that's not been done in the NFL mm-hmm. since and that's a record uh everybody points to that last week 17 game up against the Patriots to come up a little bit short and to manage and show that we're a good enough team to hang with the undefeated team in the NFL but it was the week before the Buffalo game to win in Buffalo uh to win the way that we did to have to win that game to go to the playoffs I mean if you go back and look at film of that game it was one of the craziest weather games that I've ever been in my life. Started out 88, rain, sleet. Second half, it was snowing, and it was like 14 degrees. It was the craziest game to ever be involved in. So if you watch the game, you see the first half, the second quarter, and then the third to the fourth, you're like, wait, are we watching the same exact game? Because the elements changed so much. But for us to have our backs against the wall, to do it on the road, to build confidence off of that game going into New England and into the postseason, 
that game was the one that really set ourselves up for, for success and to have that confidence to go. This version of the New York Giants, they've beaten my Cowboys the last three, and they open up the season with them uh, again. What do you think from what you witnessed last year and, and, and thus far this preseason about this year's team? Because I, I think they're one of the best in the league right there with the Patriots. It's all about how they handle success. I mean, when a, a first-year head coach comes in, as Coach McAdoo did last year, and then you have all the questions. Well, there's a lot new, a lot of new pieces with the 200 million they spent. Mm-hmm. How are they going to be able to handle it? How are they all going to fit? Well, fit. They went 11 and five, go to Green Bay, but they weren't ready to play an experienced Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. team that was battle tested, that handled adversity at the second half of the season, and were able to push through it. When you win games and it's your first year, and you have a young roster like the Giants had last year. It's easy to kind of push some of the insufficient things that you've done on the field compared to when you lose games and you're dissecting every single part of that game. So, number one, how do they deal with success? How do they bounce back from having such a great year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where they held and kept the offense in Mm -hmm. games? I mean, Coach McAdoo got the job as the head coach because the two years he was the offensive coordinator, they were in the top ten. Last year they were 26th. That's got to definitely turn around, and there are pieces that still need to be fit. Obviously, the offensive line is an area that they didn't go through in free agency or in the draft to address until later with Biznuati out of pit. But we'll see first thing tonight. Eric Flowers is going to go up against Miles Garrett, the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. How will he be able to hold up against Miles Garrett? Because who do the Giants face in the AFC? The West, Kansas City, two premier pass rushers, yeah. Raiders, Broncos. Everybody in that division has two premier. So it's not only going to be Eric Flowers, it's also going to be Bobby Hart on the other side. And the pocket makes has to make sure that they keep that clean for Eli to step up because if it starts collapsing in his lap, that's when balls sail, that's when interceptions, and that's when you have all these elite wide receivers outside that really won't make a difference. The other thing, running the football. Paul Perkins has, has to be durable for the entire season. Will Shane Vereen stay healthy? Because we saw when he went out last season what it did to their offense and that dynamic ability of him to be able to catch out of the backfield and spread things out for him. And defensively, the linebacker position is still an area that they have not fully fixed yet. B.J. Goodson's a new starter at the Mike linebacker. And Keenan Robinson right now is still going through a concussion back and forth. They struggled last year covering tight ends and running backs out of the back. And speaking of tight ends, I think you got a pretty damn good one. In, yeah, uh, my man I would from say Ole so. Miss, uh, Ingram, he can ball. Gio and Jones with Dave Deal across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of the Cowboys and the situation they are in, we spent, of course, on this talk show a ton of time talking about Ezekiel Elliott. And Brian and I have said uh, plenty that you know, we don't know what happened. I don't think anybody knows with the people directly involved, but – uh, the information that that we have seen and everything that's out there, we we just think that you know six games is is far too much. And but it's something that the NFL can do, just like they did with Ben Roethlisberger, where there wasn't uh, a, a a charge. They gave him six games. They knocked it down to four. So there's probably nothing they can do about it because of the personal conduct policy. But when you saw six games for Ezekiel Elliott, uh, what was your reaction? My reaction was number one, this was a year long investigation that's continued to go on. And when it came to the six games, I mean, that's the policy now. That was what they said. Six games is what it is. We all know that he's going to go back. He's trying to get reinstated. But in order to do that, you have to bring some type of new evidence to clear your name in order to get these things taken away from you. 
I just think at this point where the NFL is, where Commissioner Goodell is, they're going to be strict and firm, and there's not going to be, well, Ray Rice had this to this. There's going to be no more of that. It's going to be this is what you get. Unless you get your games reduced, that's what's going to stick. And and the impact that it will have on the Cowboys will be huge. I mean, let's face it, the way that Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott were able to come in, control that offense, be smart, sound when it came to football decisions and critical decisions, and what were they able to do? They were helped at defense. That defense, Rod Marinelli should have been the defensive coach of the year last Mm -hmm. year, the way that he was able to maintain with the type of roster that he had. But it was because of their ability to be able to run the football offensively. And when you are not able to do that with him in there as Ezekiel Elliott, now we're going to look, okay, does Darren McFadden still have it? Right when you think that he's going to do it, what did he do in the preseason game? He just fumbled. Then you're going to look for Alfred Morris. It's a big, big difference for them. We all know that Dak will be smart. He'll go to the check down if Bryant's not open. You have Cole Beasley. You have the Jason Witten. But their biggest thing was for them to be able to control the time of possession, control the game, and keep that defense fresh. Does commissioner have too much power when it comes to these things? You know what? That's This is the power that was given to him. I yeah. mean, this is what the CBA, the, the Players Association signed it. This is It is what it is. Regardless of whether we say, does he have too much? It's not changing. I so mean, what, is, what do the players need to do? They need to go back. We, we discussed last week that DeMarie Smith came out and said there's probably going to have to be a work stoppage yeah. to uh, change uh, the current deal. So you, 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 you think that's forthcoming? I, I do. I do think it's forthcoming, but it, it takes a lot to do that. Right. It's, it's easy for somebody who has a $22, $30 million contract to say, right. you know what, I'm going to sit out some games. Yep. But those young guys that are – this is their livelihood. They don't have – the long-term future that you have. Them sitting out one game, let alone a season, can completely change everything for their future and for their football career. So as much as you think that that's where it is going to go, it's going to take a lot to get there. Mm -hmm. Now, can you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. Look at that. Look at him. Dave Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion, just going to hang out with He's hanging out with greatness. I mean, why wouldn't he want to stick around? All right, so we'll take a break early here. We'll have Andrew (laughs) Bowich come in, give us a quick update. we got a ton more football to talk about with a two-time Super Bowl champion to let you know about it. You're listening to Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. First, Andrew Bogish is with us again, and he's got an update. Andrew. Guys, good news for some, bad news for most this morning. Sports Business Journal says NFL owners on the verge of granting Roger Goodell a five-year extension, which would take him through the 2024 season. Two weeks that are signing with the Bills, Anquan Bolden is leaving them. The three-time Pro Bowl wideout says... He's retiring because now, quote, he's drawn to make the larger fight for human rights a priority. Bolden leaves after 14 seasons and 1,076 catches. 82 of them went for touchdowns. On the field last night, the Charger offense could not reach the end zone, losing to the Saints 13-7, those lone L.A. points on a pick six. The official coach of Geo and Jones, Anthony Lynn, appreciates the fans that showed up for preseason game number two in Carson. And for a preseason game, I think it's I think it's been outstanding. You know. I wasn't expecting a sellout or anything like that, but uh, I, I think they're loud. When you give them something to cheer for, they cheer. I think the fan support's been good. Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees sat that one out. Ben Roethlisberger held out again by the Steelers. They beat the Falcons in the afternoon, 17-13. Matt Ryan played one series for Atlanta, getting them seven points. After back-to-back losses to Cleveland, 
Deep thoughts from Royals manager Ned Yost. Next best scenario is if you get beat the first two games, win the third one. Which KC <laughs> did yesterday. 7-4. The Royals now six and a half games behind the Indians in the Central. A game and a half out of a wild card spot in the AL. The Red Sox lead the Yankees by five games atop the East. After a 5-1 win at Fenway, the Twins run over the Diamondbacks 12-5 for a three-game sweep. And Bartolo Colon's now the 18th pitcher in history to beat all 30 clubs. The Pirates top the and Cardinals. This is his 18th team, right? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. He's going to be 44 years old, too. The Pirates top the Cardinals last night 6-3 in a game played at a minor league park in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The big leaguers watched the little leaguers during the day. Astros shortstop Carlos Correa hit off a pitching machine. Yesterday will take BP tomorrow. Correa had surgery in mid-July for a torn ligament in his left thumb. September 1st, the apparent target date for his return. And the NBA is investigating the Lakers, reportedly specifically Magic Johnson, for tampering with Paul George after he told the Pacers he would not resign with them. No findings have been made yet, and the league says the Lakers have been cooperating. Guys? Bogus, you're a Giants fan. Did you thank Dave for some of the greatest moments of your life? I haven't thanked Dave yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we spent actually the first 10 minutes after you came in here uh, scolding Ike Feldman of After Hours because he didn't know who Dave was. Uh, well, he's a space cadet. Yeah. You can't take anything he says seriously. That's an offensive lineman. Not, not many people know offensive no, lineman. You're right? from New York, right. though, where we are, and we do the show from here. You know Dave Deal. Yeah. You know that offensive line. Well, thank you very much. So give him a handshake on the way out. I will. Thank you for the greatest (laughs) moments of my life. Because, I see, I've never seen a championship, one of my teams, win one. You had two of the coolest ever in the NFL. You got one of the guys who did it here, and you just walk by him like he's he's nothing. You know, I saw you. So, so Gio, what's your team? No wonder why he's mad about the Super Bowl ring. I just heard the deep breath. There it is. So the truth comes out, Gio. Yeah. uh, I grew up. I'm not as passionate as I used to be just because I'm older. Priorities have changed. No, I really really am not. Because I used to go to training camp every year. You're still passionate from afar. So I grew up a Minnesota Vikings fan. No wonder why I heard the... And and, and now I've got extreme disdain for them just because all the moments that that Bogish has because of your team and what you were able to do and and Mikey B, our producer in there, is a big Giants fan. I mean, I've got all those moments on the other side of things. The 98 championship game with loss to the Falcons. 2000, you you weren't there yet. You were like 06, right? You were like 06. It was a while. I heard uh, Kerry Collins just threw another touchdown today. (laughs) Uh, I I went to that game. I actually wrote Dennis Green a letter. I'm not kidding. And I mailed it to him overnighted, saying I was the biggest Vikings fan in New York. And, uh, you know, you said this was a team of destiny. They brought you here. I got to be at the game. And he left me two tickets at the will call window to sit in, like, the section where the opposing team, you know, had the one section. So I was with all Viking fans up there, 41 nothing. Wow. Brian McKnight at halftime at 35 nothing. Mm. I remember him performing. <laughs> his tears rolling down my face. And people were calling me Barney. Um, so and then 2008, which was a great or 2009, the uh, the the classic Brett Favre uh, season where he ended up throwing that pick in the Superdome there in New Orleans. So so now I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Delvin Cook, none of this is going to uh, change anything. Nothing, yeah. nothing. No, I, we were just talking about Delvin yeah, Cook. We I mean, as great as he looks, I mean, I just don't think there's enough there for him to really 
to really shine. But, see, I don't want to make this about me, Dave. You've won two Super Bowls. My team stinks. I never played on that team. I'll tell you what, that stadium is absolutely incredible. I called the last game, week 17, I called Bears at Vikings last year. My first time Getting the big ones, huh? Holy cow. (laughs) A game's a game. You're an NFL roster. You're playing. That that game means something. And for both of those teams – you're playing for your job. You're playing right. for your security. So yeah. a game's a game, man. Every time you step in, regardless of whether it's the top number one game or not, you're looking at an NFL game, and I yeah. take each one of them the same. Yeah, Super yeah. Bowl's out there, right? I right. forget Super Bowl's yeah. going to oh, be my there. Goodness. And the last time I was there was my rookie year in the league, and it was Washington and Buffalo. And that's when Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet over there on, on the sideline. But I wanted to ask you about the Bears because Mitchell Trubisky, of course, uh, Glennon, Comes over from Tampa, gets a huge payday, hasn't done a damn thing uh, in the league, but he hasn't looked like the veteran that he is. And I, I say veteran with a small V uh, because he doesn't have a huge uh, sample size. But you know as well as I do that preseason, especially early on, it's bland. I mean, it's just base football. Can you recognize this, that? You're not running that many coverages from a defensive standpoint. You know, one man defense, you're going to do cover two, cover three. That's about it. And and Glennon in these first two preseason games just hasn't looked as comfortable as Trubisky has. Not saying he's looked great, but he's looked more like a vet with a small V than the actual vet. If you look at it, I think the moves that the Bears made to go up and get Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Bogus just brought Dave Deal some water. Yeah, he gave him a handshake and said thank you. Good job, but, Bogus. But honestly, if you look at the way that the Bears made those moves in the draft, even though they're not going to come out and say it, they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. They have $18.5 million tied into him, guaranteed. And the rookie who has way less experience, not only just in college than he had, but in the pros, right is outplaying him, regardless of whether you say it's the preseason or not. He looks like the leader of that football team, and you can't deny that. So for all that to happen and for Mitch Trubisky to be playing the way that he is is showing that why Ryan Pace, why John Fox, and the Bears went out to make this move because Mike Lennon had his opportunities when he was in Tampa Bay, and he didn't maximize them. He didn't play the way that he's capable of. And I will say this, Brian, you know it. You could be it. On the defensive side or on the offensive side of the ball, if there's anybody on that team that's looking at that quarterback and is iffy, he is not the right person for the job. Two guys I think could have impact rookie years, and I know Trubisky's getting a lot of hype, and if he's great, then I was dead wrong about that. The biggest was... thing, though, is they don't have a deep threat. Kevin yeah, White is right. still a ghost. He's yeah. non-existent. So Jeffrey's they gone. don't have that vertical threat yeah, that they yeah. need to take some of that off the former number one pick exactly so the two other rookies i've liked for a long time now that i think are going to make impacts right away one is joe mixon in cincinnati and the other is deshaun watson i think he'll end up winning the job and i think he's going to be good for bill o'brien in houston tell me why or why not you're on the same page with me with those guys i would agree with you everybody that's seen joe mixon knows exactly who he is as a dynamic athletic football player that wins one-on-one matchups. I mean, look at the way that Devontae Freeman was able to change things just because of his ability to catch out of the backfield and create one-on-ones against linebackers. So you can completely see him change the dynamic of that team. Obviously, the -the off-of-the-field conduct is what dropped him into the draft. And then if you look at Deshaun Watson, I mean, if you think about Coach O'Brien and the way that he has studied and understands the quarterback position – You heard rave reviews from him right away from being able to sit down his football IQ. And what do you want at that position? A winner. 
He went to the national championship, lost, came back, handled adversity, and took his team on his back and won that game. That's what you want in that quarterback position. So if you think about him now in that offense, the flexibility of what they're going to be able to do, roll in the pocket, play action, number one, it suits that offense. But two, what does it do? Tick, tick. It just controls the clock for that number one defense. And Mike Vrabel was now taking over, who is now taking over as a defensive coordinator, was one of the most highly touted coaches in the NFL. He's young. He's enthusiastic. He learned everything from Romeo Cornell. I think they're going to be even a better defense with J.J. Watt back than they were last year. You are at ground zero. You call games. You go to practices. You're talking to these coaches. How difficult is it in today's game to evaluate offensive linemen coming out of the college game with all these up-tempo spread offenses? I'm seeing guys, once they get to the NFL, and not really – accustomed to firing it off and engaging and sticking to a guy or getting to the second level because in the college game, especially at a number of institutions, you don't really have to hold a block. No. You just need to get in the way. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that you're watching film of an offensive lineman who's never had his hand in the ground. I mean, that is the NFL mm-hmm. game, regardless of whether they're 3-4 wide 65% of the time or yeah. not. You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to not be one-dimensional. And as an offensive lineman, you love that because that's the only way that you can break down elite pass rushers is by being able to beat them up in the run game and start wearing them down into the third and fourth quarter. So it's extremely hard to evaluate offensive linemen. One of the struggles, like we talked about, Eric Flowers, he's not the only one. Interior guys, it's it's much easier when you're a center guard right. because you have help. It's such close confines. It's easier to get accustomed to moving there. But at the tackle position, it's way more different, and it's way more difficult because of the amount of space and because of the premier athletes that you're going up against. If you really think about it, outside of Jank Coughlin, who went to Tennessee, Laramie Tunsil is only now moving to left tackle. Lyle Collins, who was the road grader out of LSU, mm-hmm. now he's just moving to right tackle. So it hasn't been the seamless transition where guys like in the past, like the Joe Thomases, like mm-hmm. the other guys, came in. They are legit left tackles, and they played right away. There's that learning curve with technique and, and having to, you hear as an offensive lineman, trust your technique. Because if you don't trust your technique and you feel like you're a step behind what are you going to do? You're going to turn, you're going to open the floodgates, and they're going to bend that corner, and it's going to be easier for them. So uh, I think one of the things that I was advantaged of is who's still coaching in the college ranks is Harry Heastan. He's the head offensive line coach at Notre Dame. He was my coach at Illinois. I was able to transition into the NFL because what he taught me in college, and look at what he's doing at Notre Dame with the players that he's turning out. G. Owen Jones with David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with CBS Sports and Fox on G. Owen Jones across the country, CBS Sports Radio. Um, The anthem protests that are going on now in the league, what we saw with Colin Kaepernick, uh, I know it's a very broad topic to broach, but uh, your thoughts from where we went with Kaepernick last year, where he is now, and what we're seeing in the preseason from other players right now, what do you think? Uh, obviously, everybody has a right to their own choice, their own opinion in this regards, and obviously it's a very important topic right now with what's going on in the nation and in our world. Uh, but for me, you know, I grew up, my father was in the Air Force, I grew up in a military family. You know, that's one of the biggest things that I miss from game day. For over 166 straight starts and playing, I was on the 47-yard line for every single national anthem, and that's the one time that it doesn't matter whether you're a giant, you're an eagle, it doesn't matter who's, 
You're an American at that time. That's the one time where it pulls everybody together, and you have pride, and that's what it's supposed to do. That's mm-hmm. the one time that that stadium's together in solidarity. Uh, so I understand the concern. I understand why they're doing it. I just, for, for what the NFL is about, what it's a member of being a team by coming together, that's the only thing that really stands out to me of why it, it really is, is getting the amount of attention that it's getting is because it's separating you from the rest of your teammates because of those decisions. So you'd be upset you, if a teammate on the Giants when you were playing took a knee during the end. I, I w- obviously, it would be a team decision, but I would have a discussion with them, like I said, with a, as being one of the leaders in the locker room. I would want to know why. What can we do differently? Because if you protest, the biggest thing that you need to get out of it is progress. Right. What are you doing to change? You hear Doug Baldwin. He's going to work with the law enforcement in Seattle. He's taking steps to do it the right way to help and make a bigger impact. And I think that's as much as you, the, the anthem and as much as the protest and everything, I think there are more ways that can benefit people than just that. I would agree. And, and, and we, we agree, at least Gio and I, that Kaepernick has put his money where his mouth is and where his knee was, if you will, because he's gone out and spent millions and millions of dollars trying to make a difference within the community and not just here in America but around the, the globe. But I, I love what you said. You'd pull your teammate aside. You'd have a conversation with him. Okay, how can I help? What do we need to do moving forward? And that's all I think Colin Kaepernick and the others – uh, Michael Bennett comes to mind uh, because of what he just recently said about white players being involved in this process because it's going to take all of us, not just black players, no not question. just brown players. It's going to take everyone in that locker room to get together and say, hey, I- I'm with you. I'm backing you. I may not necessarily agree with your initial stance and, or how you went out to protest, but I'm with you and I agree there's a problem here. How do I help you moving forward? I mean, think about any locker room that anybody has been into. You have people from all over, different yeah. demographics, different cultures, different whatever. What's the one thing that pulls you together into a brotherhood? Football, the mm-hmm. love for that and the accountability to one another. And that's, like you said, that's the biggest thing. If there's something wrong, address it. Talk about it. Make a difference in that way. Why do you think owners are afraid of bringing Colin Kaepernick in? Because the reasons that I come up with aren't good enough. And I don't think that he wants all the money people are reported that he's wanted. I don't think he has to start uh, or he's going to make a big stink. And as Brian brings up, of course you want to be able to play if you're on a team. If you, if the guy doesn't want to play or doesn't want to start, then you probably don't want the, the player to begin with. Um, but NFL owners still seem to look at Colin Kaepernick as, as like a leper. Uh, what do you think that they're afraid of, and why don't they sign him? Well, obviously, I think that if we're sitting here and talking about Pete Carroll and John Hardball taking this and not taking him as a football player, if those two coaches don't take somebody in this in this part right here, there's something bigger to it. Because if there's anybody that would trust somebody to do it, it would be Pete Carroll. It mm-hmm. would be John Harbaugh knowing that his brother was the one that coached him. For me, I just think that, number one, is he better than other quarterbacks on rosters? No question. No question. But it's all the other things that continue to be brought up that change everything. The Baltimore Ravens bring you in for a workout. They didn't sign you that day. They're not saying that they may not sign you down the road. They didn't sign you that day. Sure enough, the next day, his girlfriend comes out with the tweets. How is that going to help him get back into the Baltimore Ravens locker room? It's not. Mm -hmm. So it's all the football stuff that's pushing him all the other. I'm sorry, all the other football stuff that has nothing to do with the stuff on the field. And I feel like it's the people that are around him 
that are pushing him away from the game. Not him, because he's not saying the things anymore. He's not doing He's going to the workouts, but it's everybody, I feel like, else around him that keeps bringing the negative impact of the other stuff back into it. It's Miko Grimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I still think, though, that if you have some guts, you don't care what she says. I mean, if you want to bring him in and you're an owner that's yeah. got a little bit of guts and isn't afraid yeah. of that stuff and believes it's going to make your football team better, then but, you do it. But but do they believe that he's going to make their football team better right now? No. How could you not on the Ravens, yeah. though? Come on. Does he look like the same quarterback, the same specimen that he was in San Francisco um, physically? Does he look well, like he could take the hits so. well, as a I'm, rollout quarterback like he did when he was in San Francisco? I didn't think Francisco. it was that bad last year. I mean, I know there was one game that was terrible against the, the Bears. It was a terrible weather game. I didn't think he looked that bad. 16 I mean, he, touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, he a was team a small devoid of talent. size, though. Yeah, yeah. But a team that was devoid of talent. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and they had so many problems. That's why Chip Kelly's no longer there. A lot of guys are, are, are no longer there. But I would take him over Mike Lennon in Chicago. I'd I'll take, take him, him over Ryan Mallett, which is really the Ryan situation Mallett. that happens. I mean, Blaine Gabbert's still in the NFL. Right. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I, like I said, though, I think that it's all the other stuff. And, and when it comes down to it, what are all the owners? And they want to fill that stadium. Yeah, I, oh, I it definitely comes down to the bottom line. Right? But but I don't think who's going to cancel their season tickets because Colin Kaepernick's on the team. People are really going to do that. I called his first game back as the starter in Buffalo. They had 450 extra police and security. It was yeah. unlike any atmosphere. And I've been in Philadelphia in hostile environments. Yeah. It was unlike anything I've been a part of. Well, they still bought tickets, though, right? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, if the owners are afraid of losing money, then, I mean, I I understand that they're afraid. I just don't I don't get the reasons why. The New England Patriots are favorites again to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. You are a guy who was on a team that beat Brady and Belichick not once but twice in a Super Bowl. They won two more after the last time that you beat them in, in 2011. Does that make those wins against that those two guys even sweeter because no one's really been able to tame them in that game other than you guys? Absolutely. How could it not? I mean, when you think about this coach-quarterback tandem, it's the best in NFL history. I don't care what anybody says. And, you know, I always still to this day, the Patriots fans, oh, Tom Brady has five, you know. I'm like, it's the two that he doesn't have that still haunts everybody. <laughs> but, I, right. I mean, but realistically, what they've been able to do as a staff, as in an organization, scouting-wise, talent-wise, develop players that feed and fit right into the system. You know, you always hear coaches talk about potential, potential. They ask players to do what they can do well and don't step outside of that box. If you're supposed to be at a drop at five, be at a drop at five. And they play disciplined football. And for me, being at this last Super Bowl against Atlanta, I was there. I was at the game. And we're, we're sitting there. There's people around us, and I'm getting texts. Ah, oh, this game's over. I'm like, if you think this game's over, you're absolutely crazy. Because when we played in 2011, we started to control the time of possession. We started to run the football very well in the, the first half of the game. They're playing more of a 3-4 hybrid. Second half, they came out with a 4-3, came out with a completely different defense, and it changed our offensive philosophy. Not a lot of teams, not a lot of defenses, and not a lot of coordinators can make that adjustment seamlessly. And they did it without even blinking. So that's why they're able to adapt and play so well is because they're in tune to who they are football players-wise, and they put them in positions to succeed. Are they just – because what you just said is, is so accurate. It's so difficult to go in at halftime. You just – it's like a – 
you're, a leopard's going to change its spots. Exactly. You come out totally different. And totally they're just different. smarter than everyone. Because they there's talent on every roster. It's just, as you said, put them in the right position, a position to win. So do they just go out and get the smarter players, not necessarily always the t- most talented player? I think it's about how you train and how you transfer. We always say take practice to the game field. It's all about preparation. The game, when you get out there, everybody's physically gifted. Mm-hmm. Everybody's out on the field for a reason because they were the best at where they were. But it's the mental aspect that completely changes everything. Football's a, it's it's chess. It's not checkers. You mm-hmm. may win your first one. You may win your first pass set, but that next set you take is going to be different than the first one because you won the first one, and you know that defensive end is going to try to give you something different. So it's always trying to be one step ahead, and, and as a staff, they're able to do it. Dave, you did a great job here. We really enjoyed all the time you gave us, and I'm looking forward to you hosting with Tiki Barber right here on CBS Sports Radio. On Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday, yep. Thursday, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll also be on CBS Sports Network, so I'll make sure to check that out. Thanks again. Thank you very Appreciate much. It, man. Thanks, B. Jones. Gio, it was great. I'm, I'm sorry about the rings, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> David Deal, we're coming right back. It's Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Mikey B was just in the studio, and you were shooting him a look as if you were going to strangle him. I was wondering what he was doing in the studio. He was getting his headphones. We don't go in his studio. That was it. Um, I do sometimes say hello, see what's going on in there. You have to watch him. You know, he's shady. Summer's heat can cause your battery fluids to evaporate. Get your battery tested for free if your battery needs to be replaced. The professional parts people help you find the battery Battery you need. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. All right, so let's listen to uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh, you're going to hear the guy from, what was it, The Hollywood Reporter, I believe this was from, uh, when he showed up at his house to interview him You know, when he had turned 90 and they were doing interviews with other 90-year-olds that were in show business. And uh, he asked him, uh, Jerry, how come you know you haven't retired? We're doing a feature on people who are still working in their 90s. Have you ever thought about retiring? Why? Uh, was there never a moment that you thought it might be time to retire, or you would want? Why? To? <laughs> you come from a, you come from a generation a little older, and I think of Bob Hope, George Burns, Sinatra, people you knew, many of whom didn't want to. Uh, or never retired either. Um, do you see similarities with them? None. None? <laughs> what do you think drives people like you and, and them to want to keep working? Because we do it well. <laughs> and how about... Um, what? Um, <laughs> what's different about performing now for you than, say, 20 years ago? How is it, how is it different for you? It isn't. Not not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you get older, man. You you you, you have less words. Yeah. <laughs> Why? That was just amazing. <laughs> this is this was his time of year coming up. Uh, every Labor Day weekend, of course, you had the the big telethon and grew up watching that and stay up all night watching it and and uh, so ninety one Jerry Lewis, the nutty professor. Yeah. Yep. this was this was another jerry lewis clip from that thing it's only it's about half the length of the other one um 
when he was asking him more questions and Jerry was not having it. I think I read that you were, you're also still writing some screenplays or doing work. Right. Is that right? Yep. Is it, is it easier now to, to write a screenplay? No, just as hard. Just, just as hard. And how about do you, you take some time each day to, to write or, or how do you, you, do you do it in a dictaphone? How do you do? If I tell you, you'll be doing it. I love the mocking laugh. (laughs) Just as hard. (laughs) Do you do it in a dictaphone? (laughs) Come on! (laughs) Unbelievable. That that interview was just just absolutely magical. Why did he even answer the door? (laughs) Yeah, stay in. Don't even answer the door. Why? You're gonna do that. This is a good point. I think they were annoyed because all the setting up they were doing in his house, mm. and then it just went down from there. Mm. But yeah, Jerry Lewis. My wife didn't know who Jerry Lewis was. Hmm. She okay. was, she's not good with stuff like that. <laughs> like so, anything like from the past, like entertainers oh. and stuff. Oh. Not oh. good. Should I get annoyed by that or not? No, not at all. <laughs> you sure, Jerry? Oblivious to people that came way before them. <laughs> Yeah, but but what has Jerry done other? Than, he doesn't do the telethon anymore. But it's just anymore. history. I mean, I, I understand, don't... but it's not recent history. It isn't? <laughs> See, he this agrees is with creepy me. now. He I mean, agrees with me. Uh... <laughs> Thanks for agreeing with me, Jerry. Yeah, right. Yep. It won't happen anymore. But... <laughs> why? You know why? <laughs> box you in right now. That's why. What do you mean why? <laughs> Uh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, when she like doesn't know stuff about like she couldn't name the Beatles or like, she doesn't know Jerry Lewis and stuff like that, I still, I'm like, mm. but maybe it's me. Maybe I just know more about you that stuff than the more, average. Thank you. Maybe that's what it is. There it is. But she then I'm giving the myself two credit. Well, she knows the who the Beatles are, but I don't know if she could name them all. Well, you know, I don't think she could. Like maybe she, she'd probably say Ringo. You know, right, maybe, and then maybe Paul McCartney. Probably. That's it. That's probably no John she, Lennon. She probably wouldn't know. She probably wouldn't know the whole story. Mm. She definitely wouldn't know who shot John Lennon. Probably mm. wouldn't even know how he died. Mm. Didn't know anything about Yoko. Probably. You know. Meanwhile, when I was in Liverpool many years ago, and I saw John Lennon's glasses they had in one of the yeah. museums there. I almost, you know, started crying. You now you need to watch why because <laughs> it was John Lennon's glasses. John friggin' Lennon, Come on. Jerry. You, if anybody knows, it's you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Watch the Defiant ones on HBO. Even though we love Showtime, but watch that four part series because you'll see John Lennon, Jimmy Iovine. Yeah, I've never loved Showtime more than I love Showtime right now. Oh, of course you do. Make that happen, man. I want you to go. Have a good time. I wish I, I could I w- go with you. I'd show yeah. you a great time. I want to go, too. It's just like it feels like a logistical nightmare right it's now. It's not. Get on a plane and go. You're there. Just going to do it. Just yeah. hope that Steven Espinosa, the busiest he got man. got you. He's the busiest Mikey man. Mikey B's going to handle it. Mikey B handled this for He's your... busier than like Mayweather and our, McGregor. Our, our genius over here. Would you? Is it fair to say that, that Steven Espinosa, while out in Vegas, is probably busier than Mayweather and McGregor? <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. You don't think that it's that's fair? I mean... Think no. Of, well, think because those guys are gonna be left alone a lot because they gotta get they gotta get their minds right. Mm, Espinosa is gonna be dealing with all it, sorts he'll of. He'll be doing an interview here and there. That's it, man. Why? I don't know, Jerry. <laughs> now you're just saying Jerry stuff, but he's I not just, even saying. Yes. No. No dictaphone. 
Maybe That's tomorrow. you sometimes in the last segment. Why? <laughs> of the show on a Friday. <laughs> no. Oh, yep. get, yeah, you'll be seeing him again. Yeah. He'll be back. It's football season, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the 1 a.m. football shows. Thanks to Mikey B. Why? Duffy. Bogish. David Deal. Talk to you tomorrow. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.